Oh, I know you love Napa Valley, but how do you love it? My guest today loves it hot and fast. With book titles such as Hot Walk, Hot Chicken, Fast Fish, Fast Appetizers, he's got 15 books to his credit. It's cookbook author and cooking teacher, Hugh Carpenter, an entertaining guy full of great stories, a great history in the food world and here in Napa Valley, and I know you're going to really enjoy hearing his story. But before we get right to him, we are going to hear from Mark Deal, the Executive Director of Children's Health Initiative, Napa County, one of my very favorite organizations here in our community. His group makes sure that all children, actually all people, have access to health insurance and health care. It's really a remarkable organization, and I'm proud to support it whenever we can, always with our Judd's Hill Hanukkah Hootenanny every year. So be on the lookout for that every December. Now I want you to come see us. It doesn't have to be December. It doesn't have to be the Hootenanny. Any time of year, Judd's Hill is open daily. We'd love to see you. Visiting information is on our website, www.juddshill.com. While you're there, look at the wines, look at the videos, meet our family, see what we've got going on. And if you see some wines you like, feel free to put them in your shopping cart, order some. And here's a little treat for you as a Judd's Napa Valley Show listener. On checkout, just type in J-N-V-S, all in lowercase, and that stands for Judd's Napa Valley Show, J-N-V-S, and you'll save 15% off your entire wine order. You could do even better, you know, if you're a member of our wine club. So look at that. The information is on our website as well. You'll have access to all of our wines, most of which are wine club-only wines, great parties, events throughout the year, recipes, the whole deal. You're going to have a good time. There's no doubt about it. It's free to join. We'd love to have you as part of the Judd's Hill family. It's a good time guaranteed for all. Now, enjoy today's show. Get ready for another heap full of fascinating things to know from witty and intriguing people on Judd's Napa Valley Show. No stale script and no rehearsing, live from a Napa studio. You may be that intriguing person on Judd's Napa Valley Show. On Judd's Napa Valley Show. Judd's Napa, Judd's Napa Valley, Judd's Napa Valley Show. And now... Live from the 1440 KVON studio in the beautiful Napa Valley, it's Judd's Napa Valley Show. I'm Lauren Mole, and here's your host, Judd Fingelstein. Good morning, Lauren Mole. Top of the day, Judd. Top of the day, Lauren. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. What's happening? I had a successful performance on Sunday at Union Square. I couldn't agree more. That was the... Yeah, <laughs> that's wonderful. I'm sure if I were there, I would have agreed. I'm sorry I couldn't make it out. That was a big deal, though. That was the Bill Graham a Menorah Project. That's right. And you sang... Did you show your video as well? Actually, it was a first. I performed my, my song without my video. Oh, really? That was, was a first. Was there musical accompaniment, or did there you was. do it? Okay, so it wasn't a cappella. It wasn't a cappella. And um, was there a lot of people there? Oh, there was. It must have been packed. The whole Olive Union Square in San it Francisco. Was. In it the height of the shopping uh, season. I mean, this is the weekend after Thanksgiving. That's right. And you just wowed them. I did. I wowed them. Awesome. Congratulations. Thanks. Or is the Menorah Project, I should say. Mazel tov. Uh, yes. <laughs> okay. Now, you've got something else coming up I know about. You have the Community Chorus. Yes. This is Terry Bradford's Community Chorus concert is coming up. Yes, I do. Uh, very soon in about... Um, 
couple Let's weeks. See. Yeah, a couple I, weeks. I like to plug it if I can. You, I was about to, so I'd rather you do it. So go for it. Oh sure, yeah, because I have it right here on my notes. Well, let's hear. Okay, I have two events with Terry Bradford's community course coming up. One on Saturday, December seventh, at the Bear Ties Resort. This will be a fundraiser for Cope. For those that don't know, Cope stands for Child or Parent Emergency. Deal t- details are on Cope's website, so check it out. And my my second event with Terry Bradford's Community Chorus will be on Thursday, December 12th at 8 p.m. at the Opera House, titled Seasons of Love. Ooh, well done. Thanks. So it, it's going to be a blast. We're yeah, going to have a successful time. And I have some ticket information for, oh, for that one. Go for ahead. the Opera House on Thursday, December 12th, go see Lauren singing in Terry Bradford's Napa Valley Community Chorus at the Napa Valley Opera House. Tickets are $30 a piece in a beautiful historic setting. And they are available at NVOH, stands for Napa Valley Opera House, NVOH.org. And there's going to be some uh, celebrity guests. Um, I think Skylar Jett from the Commodores, I read, is going to be there. Oh, and it's promised to be a hip-shaking, feet-stomping, electrifying concert. It will be. Could you agree with that more? I couldn't agree more. Okay, awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Lauren. We're looking forward to seeing that. Um, Before we get into the meat of today's show, I have a guest here. His name is Mark Deal. Mark, good morning. Good morning. Hey, Mark, I'm going to... What's that? Thanks for having me here. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. You're the executive director of Children's Health Initiative, Napa County. I don't have to tell you that. It's for the listeners. You're giving me a look like, I know I'm the executive director. Um, A very important organization here in our community. You ensure that all children here are have well. You tell me yeah, access we, to health insurance and health care. Exactly. We've been uh, we were founded in 2005, and we've been working since then to make sure that all children and families in Napa County have health insurance. And just to tie this back into Cope a little bit, because it's one of my favorite nonprofits in Napa Valley. Cope is. Um, Joel Gallagher, the executive director of Cope, was one of the founding board members of Children's Health Initiative, and. Uh, they're one of our, our key partners in making sure that all children and families have coverage. Oh, very cool. But we partner with, we're in 42 schools. We go to over 60 different outreach events each year. We're at Queen of the Valley Medical Center. We partner with Clinical Way. We have staff over at the county helping people navigate that enrollment system. Oh, you're we, everywhere. Yeah, we partner with a lot of different people because we want to make sure that there's no wrong door for children and families in our community to get insured. That's 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 very admirable, and Thanks. thank you on behalf of the community for making sure that everyone's got this access to health care. But you're here. We're going to talk about children's health and have some fun at the same that's time. That's right, and a little bit about the hoot nanny. Right? That's right. My Let's mention party that. of the year. Your favorite party of the year, and absolutely um, a highlight. This is something that we do at our family winery, mm-hmm. Judd's Hill, every year. Usually the first or second weekend in December. This is going to be the eighth annual Judd's Hill Hanukkah hoot nanny. Benefiting Children's Health Initiative. That's right. Napa County. That's right. Every year, you've been the beneficiary. It will be Sunday, December 8th from noon to 2.30 at the winery. And you'll be there to let people know what Children's Mm -hmm. Health Initiative is all about. We are going to have... Of course, wines, current releases, stuff from the cellar. We will have some fine holiday foods, jelly donuts, dreidel mania, uh, latka, our extravagant, famous latka, potato latka bar, and the chosen surf sounds of the inimitable and incomparable Mashuga Beach Party. Unbelievable. They are so good. What a band. These folks, um, you know, they... The kind of defied description, so I would just say go to 
meshugabeachparty.com. If you can spell that, go find them, Google them. Incredible. Go on YouTube, see some of their videos. They play live every year. Folks are dancing. You don't even have to be Jewish. People are lifting other people up on chairs, usually you, Mark, That's right. and uh, dancing the hora. It's a lot of fun, and it's all for a good cause. And yeah, we're also asking folks who are coming to bring along uh, some food, uh, canned food, that is, um, you know, non-perishable, uh, boxed, canned, dried food, that type of thing that we can distribute to the food bank, as well as um, a toy or two that are new in package that we can also uh, distribute to those in need. If you'd like to come to the Judd's Hill Hanukkah Hootenanny, it's complimentary uh, admission for our wine club members. Um, and other tickets are available at judshill.com. Just click on the events tab and come on down. But Children's Health Initiative, uh, Mark, give us a little bit of information how folks can find out more about what you do and if they want to get involved or donate or stay on your list because you're always doing cool events as yeah, well. Yeah, we have. And thanks a lot for, for hosting this event, Judd. Um, You're welcome. It's, it's my pleasure. So they can go to our website, of course, at www.napachi.org, or they can call us at 707-227-0830. I almost give you my cell phone number. They can call my cell phone number, yeah, too. Yeah, you'll give them information, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, it's 707-227-6160 if you just want to call me directly. That's Mark, <laughs> my cell phone number. Great. But, uh, yeah, we're just working to make sure that all children and families are insured. We've gotten over 13,000 Napa County residents insured since we started, and we've gotten them insured in comprehensive, low-cost insurance programs. Um, the vast majority of those are children in our community. As I said, we partner with the schools, with a lot of other nonprofits in our community. Um, and we're really just trying to make sure that, you know, there are, nobody's left out of, of the health care system in Napa County. I mean, really the key to getting health care in this country is having insurance and we found that once we get children and families insured, 99.4% are able to access all of the health care services they need. Is that right? Yeah. That's absolutely. wonderful. So if you know of anybody that's uninsured or you have questions about your insurance, please contact us. You can go to our website. You can call us. But we're just trying to make sure that everybody has access to affordable, comprehensive insurance. And you're very accessible, as you said. You, well, you just give out even your cell phone number. So you've got that. You've got the website, napachi.org. You have a Facebook page. You can see what you're up to. You have a, a gala every year as well, which is a lot of fun to attend. Yeah. And I think if you just want to donate a little something, there's probably a tab on your Absolutely. page. Absolutely. They can go ahead email us at healthykids at napachi.org. There's lots of ways to get information. That's a great organization, and you're Thank a you. great guy. Thank, Thank you, you very, very much. much Mark Deal, uh, we'll see you at the Hanukkah Hootenanny at Judd's Hill this Sunday. And hopefully see lots of other folks there. It sells out every year. So get your tickets, gang. Lauren. Yes, Judd. We have another guest. We do. Sitting with us right now. <laughs> and I would be honored if you would give him one of your famous introductions. Sure. Why not, Judd? The queen of edible fair photos and the king of food books. Their skills and talents help all you home cooks. So pull these writings from off of their nooks. And when you prep from their tomes, you'll earn envious looks. Now let's welcome Hugh Carpenter. Good morning, Hugh. <laughs> Good morning. I noticed in that intro, it, it, there was an, an, an allusion to the queen of, um, what was it? F fair Edible fair photos. And that would be your wife, of Terry, course. who was... 
planning on joining us, but is is not is, here. Is with not us at yes. The moment, You'll so. have to put up with me instead. That's yeah. you know what I I would love to have had <laughs> her as well, but you know I I enjoy your company as well. So mm-hmm. good. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. And so just to explain that intro, you and your wife are cookbook you well you do the authoring correct of the, that's right that's the cookbook right we've author, done we've and she's done the photographer 15 cookbooks our 16th comes out in august and uh i do the recipe development and the promotion of the books and the writing of the text and terry does all the photography and uh we started on this in uh our first book came out in april of 1988 and we've been working steadily since since 1988 so yes. we're 25 and a half years down the road 16, that's a pretty good track record. Yeah. And these books are not just, I mean, any books. These are very well done, obviously, because what else am I going to say to you to your face? But I will personally <laughs> vouch for these books. I have several of them, probably at least half or more of your books. I cook for them regularly. Uh, the recipes are more or less easy to follow for yes. a home cook. Right. And, of course, the photography is great. And, you know, don't just take my word from it. You have one... And been nominated for several awards as well. A James Beard Award nominee, mm-hmm. um, the International Association of Cooking Professionals. You, you won Best Asian Cookbook for your Pacific Flavors right. cookbook. Right. Um, I think Terry has won photography awards for yes. these cookbooks. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, you know, it's really fantastic when you have a cookbook that has color photographs in it because mm-hmm. that those are the recipes that people will cook first out of, when they look at the book. There's a psychology and to that, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. And so you really want to work hard on those recipes. And it just, people like to see how the food looks uh, before they start to cook it. And, uh, and Terry is such a master at photography. She's really been one of the top national food and wine photographers in the last 25 years. Had a big studio in Hollywood before we came to Napa Valley. Yeah, and she really brings incredible uh, life to all the recipes in the book. Yeah, there's no doubt about that, and hence, you know, why you are seem to always be nominated and win awards as well for photography and for the uh, for the book content itself. But let's go back a ways. You know, here you are sitting in Napa Valley, a very successful cookbook author and teacher, cooking teacher. How did that all? begin for you? Did you, had you always known you wanted to be in the world of food? Was this something you yeah, came actually, upon I by came, accident? I came or? from a family of educators in Santa Barbara Oh, and went to uh, college at Dartmouth in, in Hanover, New Hampshire. I was a history major and also took uh, Chinese language. This was in the late 60s when there were actually only 11 schools in the United States that offered Mandarin. And whereas wow. now, of course, it's offered by virtually every high school in the United States. <laughs> yeah. And I ended up eating every night at a professor's house, Chinese professor's house, with a couple of my classmates who were in my language class. And oh. they would cook Chinese food every night, obviously. Each, each student would do a stir-fry, and the professor, Leo Lee, would make a soup. Yeah. And uh, I quickly realized that this, this was the, uh, the best campus food in town. Yeah, I'll bet it would and be. And so my junior and senior year, I ate uh, every night uh, at Leo Lee's apartment. And I'd come home to Santa Barbara and practice cooking and just cooking Chinese food for my family and our family friends. Went off to graduate school at the University of Michigan, did a year there. And then decided, well, you know, I'll just take a year off. Mm-hmm. Uh, not so sure I want to stay in, in an academic life. And uh, so I, I had no way to support myself. And our family friends said, well, you know, you ought to, we'll hire you, Hugh, to cook Chinese food at our house. So <laughs> I, I ended up opening a little catering company in uh, 1972 in Santa Barbara. 
and uh, promising my dad that I would go back to graduate school next year, which right. a promise I did not keep. Oh, and Has he uh, you? yes, yes, and uh, uh, just sort of started out that way. Uh, you know, in, in the early seventies, uh, this was not an acceptable f- uh, career path. A catering. Uh, there was there was nothing really for uh, in the food world. I mean, there was Julia Child and Graham Kerr on television, mm-hmm. and James Beard, of course. But um, the f- the food world has vastly vastly changed now. There's so many more opportunities for young people coming up. Right. And so every every spring, my dad would take me aside and say, "Now you know you're not really making a lot of progress here." <laughs> why, why don't you go to hotel school in Cornell? What, uh, you know, I'll send you back to, to uh, University of Michigan grad school. Your dad kept giving you the yeah. talk. Yeah, because he was concerned about me, <laughs> sure. you know, and, you know, and I was str- didn't have two dimes to rub together. And uh, every time I was about ready to, to, to agree to my, what my father wanted, you know, I'd, I'd walk out to the mailbox and there'd be an envelope in the mailbox and I'd open it up and it'd be a little note from my godfather and there'd be a check for a thousand dollars oh and he was a great gourmet and uh just loved food went to france every year to eat in the latest uh restaurants okay so and he was hip to what you were he, doing he felt i could do it and and that's why our first book pacific flavors which came out in 88 is dedicated to andy burnett oh. because if if he hadn't been my angel there stepped in at just the right time i'd probably be uh, running a hotel somewhere on the east coast right right being miserable oh god <laughs> well good for thank goodness for andy and this kind of explains why there's a you know heavy Asian influence throughout many of your books. As right, well. right. Was... A, a lot of a lot of our our recipes are what I call uh, sort of American cooking with Asian accents. Mm-hmm. So it's using those fantastic flavor building blocks: soy sauce, sesame oil, hoisin sauce, oyster sauce, yeah. chili sauce, and so forth, um, to build a complicated flavor profile uh, for salad dressings and barbecue sauces and and uh, and salads and so forth uh, without having to do a lot of the time-consuming prep work that's associated with Chinese and with other Asian cuisines. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's commendable, obviously, because a lot of folks, certainly these days, they seem to gravitate towards those quick and easy um, recipes. You know, you don't have to spend hours and hours uh, blending and grinding and mashing and macerating and soaking and marinating. And I think you were hip to that vibe uh, quite a while ago. I mean, several of your books have fast in the title. Yes, yes. We've done a series of fast books, fast fast uh, uh, chicken and fast uh, fish and so forth. But not all of our books have uh, every recipe being easy. You know, Pacific yeah. Flavors and Fusion Food Cookbook, these are big books with uh, a more varied recipe profile, some yeah. of which are easy and some of which are difficult. You know, because there, there are people like myself who really enjoy being in the kitchen and being part of the cooking process yeah. and having it go on for more than just a nanosecond. Yeah, I would include myself in that as well. I don't <laughs> consider myself an expert cook, but I do enjoy the process. And if you can give me something complicated, I'll at least enjoy the ride, mm-hmm. whatever the results might be. Hopefully it'll taste good at the end, but I enjoy that. And process. we do a lot of food that has, you know, some surprises to it. Like we have a great, uh, a great uh, dessert sauce that I could, I could give on the air. That's oh, yeah, um, that's uh, called a raspberry cabernet sauvignon sauce. So we're in Napa Valley. We have to have something with some wine in it. Yeah. So it's one. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Before you give this out, here's a little perk for our Judd's Napa Valley show listeners. It's a Judd's Napa Valley show exclusive. 
from Hugh Carpenter. Let's hear your okay. raspberry Cabernet sauce. Okay, the raspberry Cabernet Sauvignon ready. sauce is uh, one 12-ounce bag of frozen raspberries. That's pretty easy to get. Sure. One cup of white sugar. That's readily available. Mm-hmm. A couple of grinds of black pepper. That's easy to do. Sure thing. And one 750-milliliter bottle of Cabernet or Zinfandel. All combined in a 12-inch diameter saucepan or, or frying pan and boiled until only three cups remains. Oh. So what actually the red wine does is the red wine doesn't give it a, a red wine taste. It adds this incredible depth of color that you could never just get from pureed, reduced a sauce that's made uh, with raspberries. Yeah, that sounds And you great. boil it down until three cups remains and put it in a little bar blender or Vitamix and uh, liquefy it and throw it through a sieve, and you get two, uh, one, uh, two and three-quarter cups of raspberry Cabernet Sauvignon sauce that is great on waffles, pancakes, mixed into a salad dressing. It'll make the most fantastic raspberry vinaigrette. Ooh. Put on ice cream, cheesecakes. Uh, probably would be great as a body rub. Um, <laughs> have just, you tried that? And it lasts forever in the refrigerator. Oh, really? It, it hangs on. Yeah, and I have a whole series of these different kinds of sauces that are that easy to make with a tremendous flavor profile that you store in the refrigerator and that you can use then at a moment's notice to create something that has more depth, more interesting taste uh, than just uh, something that you've thrown together at the last moment. It's, oh, that's great. These are my flavor resources. I'm definitely trying that now because we're in Napa Valley. I have to ask... Uh, what type of Cabernet would you recommend as far as oh, the flavor profile? Would you there's want there's like, a fantastic oaky? winery called Judd's yeah. Judd's Hill that was <laughs> that's great, and of course another one of my favorite wineries in Napa Valley, where I run my cooking school for 23 years, is Cake Bread Cellars. Yeah, halfway yeah. up the valley, and so I I do about five six day programs a year in Napa Valley, and a number of our uh, events during those six-day programs are a cake bread, a fantastic wine, and a fantastic family. I want to talk about these, um, but I do want to ask quick. So, would you go for a, a fruitier type cab or something with oak? Do you not want? Do you want to avoid the woodiness? Or? Actually, actually this is a serious question. Yeah, actually, see, since I'm I'm talking to a winemaker, winery owner, uh, I like to say in my classes that the bottle of Cabernet that you put into the raspberry Cabernet Sauvignon yeah. sauce is from the French province of Cheap. <laughs> in other words, I'm looking more for color I see. than for anything else. So, so uh, a delicate, uh, uh, beautifully balanced Pinot Noir is just a waste of money. It's, right, you right, want to right, be in, right. a, in a $5 range, really, when you, because you. you're going to be boiling this for, sure. for half an hour. I've just you know, got to ask, yeah. got to ask. Okay, let's, now let's go back to your cooking class, because this is something that, um, I mean, is... is close to your heart. It's what you really do. I know you've traveled all over the country, the world, yeah, still doing do. cooking classes and still do. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's hear about it. Start wherever you want. You've, tell me about your cooking classes. Well, I mean, I've been doing cooking classes since, uh, since the early, early 80s, and I've done it all over North America. But I, you know, what I really, the greater part of my career has been spent here in Napa Valley and my wife and I worked for 15 years in Los Angeles, but we're refugees. We're refugees from Los Angeles. Yeah. And uh, every t- there came a point in our lives when we thought, you know, we'd like to ha- live a little bit slower paced life than in Los Angeles. And uh, every time Terry would say this to me, I would say, because I taught in Napa Valley in the early 80s, mm. I would say, that's Napa, that's Napa, that's Napa. 
And yeah. so in, uh, in April of 1988, we hopped in, the, in our car in Los Angeles and drove north. Terry had never seen Napa Valley. We stayed with friends here in Napa Valley who who were realtors. Mm-hmm. And the next day, Dottie said, you know, I would love to have you guys up here. Let's go look at some property. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, half, She's an, good, isn't half she? an hour later, we walked across a 20-acre parcel in Oakville and bought it with not a dime in the bank. Really? And... Uh, and made our way to Napa. But within a year, we'd sold everything in L.A. and moved up here. Wow. And, uh, uh, Just made the leap. Look at that. Yeah, made the leap, figured, you know, if things don't work out, we'll move back to L.A. where we'd have a successful mm-hmm. business, and I had six restaurants. And so but we really, really enjoyed being in Napa Valley. We knew that great, great things were going to happen in the wine country. And when you think about both Napa and Sonoma and the amazing changes that have occurred in the last 20 years. Uh, unrecognizable. The town of Napa, unrecognizable uh, versus 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah, people yeah. never even thought of pulling off Highway 29. Now people are coming up to Napa Valley to spend five days just in the town of Napa. Yeah, hang out. There's yeah. a lot of dining to be done. Yeah, um, Wineries right around Napa. Uh, and maybe even to take a, a cooking class with you. That that would be that would be great. We we do these programs in July, September, and October. They're six day programs. Everyone cooks every day, and then in the late afternoons we go to tiny wineries, where we meet the owners and hear their arrival stories and taste their wines, mm-hmm. and have some little appetizers and watch the sun set in the western hills. It's depressing kind of stuff. Oh, horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Why would anyone want to do that? I have not taken one of these courses from you. I've run across several people who have and only glowing reviews. And I think the descriptor that comes along most often that I hear about is just fun. Yes. Like, they have so much fun. They enjoy the cooking. They enjoy your personality. You apparently do it in a very fun and humorous way. Right. Wait, my father had taken and several classes with well, you. Well, your dad he... was a fabulous cook. Some well, of the great meals I've had in Napa Valley have, have been from your dad. He, he was a, yeah. a wonderful cook. I, I hope I have a little bit of his talent. You know, I'm, I'm still learning. You know, I'm still in the kitchen trying. We're all trying. Yeah. still, yeah. But he'd say he would do a class with you or something and just laugh most of the time. <laughs> just have the best time. Actually, now that I think about it, I, I did see a cook for his Men Who Cook group. My father was part of this group oh, of yes, uh, yes, yes. dudes in the valley. There was yeah. 12 of them. And every month, it would be at someone else's house. Right. And that person would provide the meal, usually right. cook it. And he would do that. But he had you come over to the wine. He hosted That's it right. at the winery. That's right. And you were the special guest. And you cooked dinner for... Well, 12, but there was a few guests. There were probably 15 guys. Yeah, you packed the house. Yeah, 15 guys <laughs> packed it up. You brought along this humongous walk, a gigantic... Oh, yes, my turbo walk. Burner. That's you know, right. 80,000 like came off the back of a 747. Absolutely. You could repel any airline <laughs> forever on the, with that. You had done your prep work. Obviously, you had chopped up everything. But you fired up this walk, poured everything in, gave it a few spins and turns and twists, and dinner for 15 people was ready in about three minutes. <laughs> yeah. It was incredible. <laughs> Never seen anything like it, and it was fabulous. Yeah, that's that one of the fun. one of the things I really. It's sort of my outdoor summer sport. Is I this giant walk that I have hanging in the garage, and the uh, turbo burner. You can buy these these uh, portable gas burners that work on uh, propane tanks uh, at Chinese hardware stores in San Francisco, for example, yeah. and at Asian large Asian markets such as. Um, uh, 
the, the the big market that's in the Pacific Cafe. Oh, the uh, uh, ranch, ninety nine ranch market. Ninety nine ranch market. Yeah. And then what I did was I had a fabricator here in Napa put together a tripod. So there were just three legs, but it's so it's much more stable actually than than something. It balances itself much better than something that has four legs. Oh, okay. So he built me a tripod with the burner in the middle, mm-hmm. and then it's hooked up to a five-gallon propane tank. That's incredible. And one of the really fun things to do is to have a group of friends over, and so you have ten friends, and you stand around the, this great big wok as I'm preheating it, and I hand each person. An ingredient, like you get hoisin sauce, and someone yeah. else gets coconut milk, and someone else gets curry powder. And then I start stir-frying. Mm-hmm. And then I'll say, coconut milk. And the person <laughs> with the coconut milk has to step forward and pour God knows how much coconut milk into the wok as I'm stir-frying. Do they know how much they're supposed to I pour? I have no idea. It's absolute, no. It's absolute a frenzy of group activity. <laughs> Everyone is doubled over in laughter. And almost every time we get something that's absolutely sublime and delicious tasting. Wonderful. How fun. Okay. <laughs> we'll give information about how to attend one of these. Uh, my guest is Hugh Carpenter, cookbook author, cooking teacher, fun guy. We have to take a quick break. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more of Judd's Napa Valley Show right after these messages. And now, back to Napa Valley's ambassador for good times, fine wines, and lame rhymes, Judd Finglestein. Thank you very much, Mr. <laughs> Lauren Mole, our in-studio announcer here on Judd's Napa Valley Show. You're welcome, Judd. Right on, right on. Our guest is Hugh Carpenter. The famed cookbook author, cooking teacher, man about town, humorist <laughs> with a walk in his hand. <laughs> and uh, we were talking about your cooking classes, and you have cooking camps, and I still want to talk about all that. But in the break, you started to tell me a story about uh, another story about getting into cooking. Yes. And I, 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 let's lead in with that. I kind of stopped you and said, wait, let's save this for the air. So Yeah, well, I, you, know, uh, you know, my story about my, my godfather rescuing me at key moments and really having the confidence that I could be successful in the food world. Um, you know, everyone needs a little encouragement once in a while, and mm-hmm. it can have such an enormous payoff later on. And uh, there, were, there were times when you know, I didn't have a farthing to rub together, and... Uh, you know, I was thinking, maybe I should do what my dad does. And I was teaching an adult education in Santa Barbara. And we would oh, have yeah? these classes with 40 people, and they'd break up into groups. And it was ab- absolute Ben Lub. And there was a, a class that I gave at Santa Barbara Adult Ed. And there was this attractive Chinese lady sitting in the front row. And the next day, I get this phone call. And it's Angela Ling Bassett, who was the head of marketing for Santa Barbara Savings and Loan that had 70 offices in the state at that time. And oh. she said, you know, we'd like to put you on the road and have you give cooking classes in the lobbies of all of our branches an hour and a half in the morning, an hour and a half in the afternoon. Cooking classes, cooking classes in the lobby of a, of a of a savings and loan. Wow. And just and and uh, I it was the only time I had any financial sense and I said, uh, what well, what would you normally pay for something like this? And she said two hundred and fifty dollars plus all expenses. And I, I called my dad right away on the phone, and I, my, I could hear my father falling off his office chair. That's good money. And, office uh, rocker. Office rocker. And that, and so I went to, I, you know, I have taught in Lake Isabella and Shafter and Modesto and Medford and, you know, all up, all through California uh-huh. for two years I did that. Um, and uh, then I, I took all the, the write-ups about these programs in the local presses 
and took them to L.A. and to San Francisco to sell myself as a cooking teacher. Oh, wow. And so that was sort of the other little part of my career that, you know, you could say was sort of chance-sequence, uh-huh, uh-huh. chance-meeting consequence. Right. And uh, that had a profound impact on, uh, on my future. Well, it sounds like it that's was, where you it that's was, where you worked it out. That's where it all kind of happened for you. I, I was a very determined person. Yes. Wow. yes. Well, how does you know? I'm curious. How does that work? Who who's taking these classes? Just anybody could come into the bank, or the... yes, yeah, they advertise it in the local press. They put ads in Good the promo. food section and so forth. And I'd have anywhere up to 250 people there. No kidding. And I do the prep in the in the staff room off to the <laughs> side, uh, and uh, the class lasts for an hour and a half, and the the uh, the tellers would pass out little helpings of things as mm-hmm. they came out of the walk. And, and someone would be there saying, are you interested in opening an account while you're here? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Great promo. Great way to get so, folks in. So it really uh, got me out of uh, Santa Barbara and got me to see the whole state. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'd go to Lake Isabella and the ladies in Lake Isabella would bring me vegetables from their gardens. And mm-hmm. the men would bring me fish from lake from the lake. And, and would you use these? Yes. So yeah, you really got yeah. to find out what California can offer. Yes. Yeah. As it was fantastic. It was really, really exciting. And now you're you are offering this knowledge that you glean from all that in your camps and classes. Um, we talked a little bit about classes, but you also offer camps uh, You do yeah. here in Napa. You have a, a base in Mexico. Yes, yes. We run two cooking programs. We want to run a, a camp called Camp Napa Culinary, which mm-hmm. I do throughout Napa Valley, but also largely associated with cake bread sellers. And then I, in the, in the winter, I'm in central Mexico in this mm-hmm. fantastic town called San Miguel de Allende. Yeah. That's about a three-hour drive north of Mexico City, but you fly into a nearby airport near, near the town. I, I've never been, and it's, a it's an place. artist community yeah. uh, up at about 6,000 feet, 400 miles from either coast. And I've, I've had, uh, just rated the number one city in the world to visit by Condé Nast readers. I read that and was amazed. I said, I know uh, that ahead place of Santa you... Barbara, ahead of Carmel and ahead of <laughs> uh, all these other fantastic pr- uh, places around the world. So you really set up in a good spot. And people will say to me here, San Miguel, Mexico. Why w- I, I, are you okay down there? San Miguel, <laughs> the small town of San Miguel, uh, has a lower crime rate than the, than the town of Napa. Really? A very, very conservative Catholic town where many, many affluent Mexicans from all over Mexico have second homes or come mm. for vacations and so forth. And it's a very safe area. And we have attendees that come back year after year to come to the program. It's really, it's completely different than a Baja Cal, uh, uh, view of Mexico. It's a peso economy, right. but there are enough people that speak English so you feel completely at home and at ease in the community. And then we do all these incredible events for a six-day period, including cooking and visiting lots of artists and seeing their studios and going to fantastic restaurants. And Okay, so you're really immersing folks if they come down. It's not just learn to cook. It's it's explore the culture that's here. And when they are cooking, is it different cuisine than you would teach in your Napa camp? So here in Napa, it's California cooking with Asian accents. And in Mexico, it's California or American cooking with Mexican accents. Oh, okay. So you're able to buy all the ingredients that we would use in San Miguel at the local Safeway, for example. Hmm. And, and yet you don't have any of the time-consuming elements that are often associated with Mexican cooking, as the same with, with Chinese cooking. Yeah. How do you simplify it? Well, you can put salad dressings together and sauces together that have the characteristic of a Chinese 
input or a Mexican input without the labor. Okay. And so and you teach folks and, how to do this. And that's, that's what we do in San Miguel. Very cool. Very cool. How do folks get involved if they want to come? Oh, the easiest way is to go to my website. Uh, just my name. It's uh, com, or just put it, just enter in your, your, in a search, uh, Hugh Carpenter, and it comes up. You know, I did that prepping for this, and certainly you came up, your website. There's a fellow out there singing his heart out. Have you seen this guy, no, Hugh no, Carpenter? No, no, Is that right? He's all over the web. Uh, well, I have an YouTube excellent singing and, voice. Oh, maybe it was no, you. No, you no, no. Looked a little different. His mustache <laughs> was a little different color. <laughs> but yes, look for Hugh Carpenter, the, uh, the chef and cooking teacher when you're... Google. And we always change the program every year. So, for example, in Napa Valley, over the 23 years that I've run this program, there each program, each six-day series, usually has about 30% of the attendees have been to the program before. Oh. So people will come back year after year to Napa Valley. In fact, we just had a program here where one gentleman came back for his 10th year, 10th year out of 22 years of running the program. Well, that speaks volumes, folks and, clamoring to get well, back. Or, or, I, or I'm still learning how to communicate how to cook. <laughs> they haven't one gotten the, it yet. <laughs> one or the other. And we just end up uh, knitting together as a group um, and having a fantastic six days. Mm. And we've had many, many groups that have met at the program who will say, okay, we're signing up for next July. And they'll all come back as a group for the next July. Oh, that's fun. That's and uh, whereas they didn't know anyone when they arrived at their initial camp experience. And they just made best friends. Right, right. Oh. So you're offering good, you're, you're bettering humanity and by the, bringing folks the, together. And the other basic thing that we try to do in our program and in my classes around the country is to get people to do more cooking at home. And to keep the recipes easy enough so that it's not such a daunting task. Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing that enriches one's personal life than cooking at home and sharing food with friends. And you can never do that enough. And you can go to the fabulous restaurants in Napa Valley or San Miguel and have food that's incredible. Oh, absolutely. But it doesn't mean that you're going to reproduce it at home. But you're never never going to be at that restaurant until 11 o'clock at night chewing the fat. You're going to be hustled out the door eventually. Right. But at home, let's make it more of a we event. So... Judd, you bring the barbecue sauce, and I do the salad dressing, okay. and someone else brings the dessert, and we have a we event, and we sit and chew the fat late into the night. Yeah, a little uh, wine, and it's yes. very soul-satisfying. Yes, yes. Oh, I like that attitude. I like that approach. Um, in your cookbooks, what do you say? Number 16 is coming out? Number in? 16, Mexican Flavors. Oh, Mexican Flavors, okay. The subtitle is Contemporary Recipes from Camp San Miguel. So, contemporary, so they're not necessarily authentic, or they're not necessarily easy or long. They're mm-hmm. contemporary. They're my read on Mexican cooking. Oh, wow. We have to wait till August. Until August, yeah. Mexican flavors. There's no sneak peeks be a beautiful, on the web or... big, uh, hardcover uh, food photo book. And if, I imagine Terry, your of wife, course, takes all the course. pictures. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. How is a cookbook made? I mean, how do you decide on the what the theme is going to be? Which recipes you're going to feature? How do you develop the recipe, test them. How do you test them? How is the art direction? I mean, I'm really curious because your books are so beautiful and seem so thought out. How, how does that happen? Well, first of all, usually we'll, we'll think of a, a, a book that we believe will be successful. Let's say a book having to do with Mexican cooking. And then I'll start teaching classes that have Mexican themes in them around the country at cooking schools across the country and okay. in Canada. 
And if it doesn't sell, those classes don't really sell very well. The, 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 uh, the response wasn't overwhelming. I've done my little bit of surveying mm, around I the country. See, I, I drop see. that and go on to the next ideas. I, we did with that with Fast Fish, for example. And class after class all around the country was filled with people because they wanted to know how to cook fish. It was baffling for them. So it worked and out so well. they yeah. end up with a book called Fast Fish that sells 100,000 copies. Wow. And so that's, that's sort of the, the uh, advanced sort of survey, consumer survey that we do. And then I develop the recipes. And then Terry and I go through the recipes, and she picks out the ones that are going to be visually the most striking. And then she, for many years what she would do is she would take a big sketch pad with pastels and go to artist studios all up and down California uh, that are glass artists and ceramic artists and so forth. To Along with the 24 the recipes that are going to be photographed. And she'll wander around their studio looking at the work of the artists and the work of the artist who's collecting work from their peers as mm. well. And looking at the recipe and sketching it, how she thinks it's going to look when she photographs oh, it. Oh, okay. And stapling the recipe onto the side of the page. Uh, and then she's going into her studio and with a photo assistant and myself uh, and a food stylist. We're working like maniacs all day from 8 o'clock in the morning until 7 o'clock at night uh, to result in maybe two or three photos that we'll use in the book. I mean, it's very, very time-consuming work, food photography. So you cook the dish, and then you have to make it look beautiful. You have to make it look absolutely beautiful, but not so beautiful that, it, that it's impossible for someone to replicate. Oh, you know, I see. You, you There's need a fine to, line. Yeah, you want to make it somewhat approachable. Or else someone will cook it and feel disappointed. Right, because the first recipes that are going to be cooked out of every cookbook that has color photographs are the, are the recipes with the color photographs. Yeah, yeah that, that does make sense. Yeah. Of course, those are going to be the eye-catching ones, the ones that appeal. And then testing the recipes? And then testing the recipes. So then once I type out all the recipes, I have a group of 60 home cooks around the country that have been with me for almost 20 years now who try the recipes again and fill out a detailed two-page evaluation form and the last question is, would you cook this recipe again? And if not, why? And if two people write back and say, you know, I, I wouldn't do that, Hugh. Not really that great a recipe. Too time-consuming. Couldn't find the ingredients. Mm, mm. It's taken out of the book. Really? Just two folks out two, of, you said 60? 60. Two yeah. folks. Not, not, uh, the 60 people do not cook every recipe, but they each may cook eight or nine recipes. Oh, gotcha. Okay. And so, so we're, we're willowing out anything. And I may miss something. I may miss, miss a uh, key direction that to me is so obvious I don't mm. need to put it in, but to everyone else makes the recipe mis mystifying for them. Right. And so as far as I know, I'm the only cookbook author that does that because that creates a massive organizational effort on my part to collate and to send out and to keep track of how the evaluations are going. And no normally what I do is once I get all the evaluations back, now through email, of course, I wait until I get them all back. And then one morning when I'm fortified and feel really, really <laughs> psychically strong, I start going through them. And usually most of the recipes say, this is fantastic, this is another winner. But then there'll be the ones or, or others that you know, are not really that successful with the group. Mm. And instead of just opening up one each day as it comes in the mail and getting a couple of negative responses, I'd rather just have them all go through the whole thing at the same time because in the end, the overwhelming response is that the recipes are fantastic. Right, and those two, two negative won't stand out as much as if you just gotten it and opened it up and right. got this browsy right. review. And we're all very sensitive people here. So yes, yes. We're artistes, <laughs> you know, delicate flowers, so who needs that? <laughs> is it true you've 
taught over 100,000 people to cook? Yes, yes. A lot, you know, a lot of those several tens of thousands were just in, in the lobbies of Santa Barbara Savings alone. Oh. And, you know, I've been, I've been teaching since uh, July. In July 1977, a tennis pro in Santa Barbara said, you know, Hugh, I've had your food. I think it's really delicious, and I'm getting married in a couple of months, and I want Karen to be able to cook some of the dishes that we've had at events that you've catered in Santa Barbara. And I said, oh, that'll be fine, Ted. And I got together at their house out in Hope Ranch, and I gave a little cooking class. And meanwhile, I had my application out to be a public school teacher all across California. Oh, and at the end of the class, I went back to my parents' house where I was staying at that time and took my California teacher credential mm-hmm. and ripped it into little tiny pieces, as tiny uh-huh. pieces as I could, because I knew right then that I had so enjoyed that day teaching and communicating about how to create a menu and how to create great food that that was the way in the food world that having struggled as a caterer and keeping food on the table... I could suddenly see this as I could be a cooking teacher and a cookbook author, and I could make it work this way. You found your path. I yeah. mean, you combined yeah. what your uh, what your your goals were to be a teacher, to be in the food world, and boom, that moment right. came together. Right. How cool! I'm glad it did, so that we yes. could sit here today and talk <laughs> about it. I do have to ask you something um, that I'm sure all of my listeners are very curious to know about you, Hugh Carpenter. Do you go nuts for donuts? Uh, I, I love donuts. I love uh, uh, homemade donuts. and. There you go. Okay. I've just wow. opened a big pink box in front of you. You can look through that. One of them turned upside down. That's an important one. What I'd like you to do is to select one of those donuts you see before you. <clears throat> Let's see which one he's going to go for, Lauren. You know, I'm going to go for the old classic. That's the uh, apple spice. Oh, apple well, spice. Not this time. Not this time. Often, we, we've been on a streak with the glaze. No, he's not saying not this time. I mean, you can have it. He's not saying you can't okay. have that donut. Uh, the maple old-fashioned has been, been the, the um, been, what am I saying? It's been on a tear lately. Folks yeah, have been really going been for that maple old-fashioned. But we've got an apple spice donut. You can even change your mind. You know, this... We'll just glean what we will about your psyche from... There's the maple old-fashioned right there. Wow. No, you know, you know what I was doing was I was li- handling them, of course, which I shouldn't, shouldn't be doing. I shouldn't, probably shouldn't be handling... Oh, mean, you should I have should seen what we did to them before we gave them to you. That's right. That's right. But see, I'm, I'm going back to the donuts and giving them a little squeeze, and I'm thinking I want a donut that has a little... Feels a little less dense. Uh-huh. And that, you know, I don't know. That just happens to be a type of donut that appeals to me. Well, something lighter. What do you right, think? Right, right. So, so the apple cinnamon, you know, that was, to me, a little cumbersome to my feel. But this feels soft, light, fresh. Okay. There you go. Fantastic. And if you were to pair that with, I often ask about a, a glass of wine, but let's um, let's go with one of your recipes, uh, perhaps from one of your books, one of your classes, to go with that particular donut. As an accompaniment, what what would you go with? What type of food? Oh, I would do, uh, I would do chicken thighs. I would do chicken thighs on on a skewer, sort of Thai saute like with a peanut glaze. Oh, yeah. that was barbecued. Oh, that sounds good. And so then you barbecue it. Then you have you have the, of course you have the rich taste of the beef mm-hmm. and 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 the peanut glaze that's on the outside. And I think the the taste of the of the peanut glaze uh, and the richness of the meat would go really great. Uh, serve side by side with a donut. I think that would be, you know, kind of a little contrast. Wonderful. I'm in. Count me in. And now <laughs> it's time to play everyone's favorite party game here on Judd's Napa Valley Show. This is 
is Mad Libs. Or a very similarly themed Mad Libs style game. Okay, Hugh Carpenter, I think you know how this party game goes. I'm going to ask you to fill in the blanks. We're going to go a little quickly here as we're getting towards the top of the hour. Are you ready to play? I'm ready. Okay, I'm going to need an adjective. Fun. Fun. What we're having today here on the show. <laughs> a number, any number. Uh, my favorite, three. Three is the magic number. A geographic location. A place we were at were recently, Cairo. Oh, you were in Cairo. Okay, well, that's going to have to be another story for another time as we're getting short on time. Uh, two consecutive decades. The 1920s and 1930s. Okay. Uh, an adjective? Quick. Quick. You are quick. You're good at this game. Another adjective? Blue. Blue. My favorite the color. The color or the emotion? Oh, the color. The color, the not, color blue. not okay. the emotion. Okay, good to know. We need to know that. And a noun. Porsche. The car. The car. Okay. Woo-hoo. Here we go. What I did is earlier today I went on your website and that of your wife, uh, HughCarpenter.com and TerrySanderson.com. Picked out a little bit of your bio, which we've just rewritten via Mad Libs, <laughs> and here we go. One of the most popular and entertaining cooking teachers in America, Hugh Carpenter recently received the Cooking Teacher of the Year Award from the International Association of Fun Professionals. <laughs> like that. I'd like to belong to that group. In 38 years of teaching, more than three students have attended his classes in cooking schools. I guarantee that. <laughs> That's true. Uh, across North America and in his vacation cooking schools in California's Napa Valley and San Miguel de Allende in Cairo. Very cool. That was you. Uh, now, Terry was not able to join us, so hopefully she's listening. Oh, and this I'm is sure her, she is. This is her bio from okay. her website, which, um, very interesting, this part comes right after it talks about traveling through Asia and being influenced by a um, Japanese sculptor. But here we go. This is about your wife, Terry. During the 1920s and 1930s, Sanderson <laughs> traveled extensively. <laughs> Those were his decades, uh, Terry. Don't blame me. Uh, traveled extensively throughout Asia while researching the culinary world with her quick and blue husband, Hugh Carpenter, <laughs> yeah. for their well-known series of cookbooks. In 1990, the couple moved to Napa Valley, where Sanderson opened a food and wine advertising photography Porsche. Very classy. <laughs> very quick. Thank you, Hugh Carpenter, Thank for you. joining. This Thank has been a lot so of much. fun. I'm going to do some cooking. I'm pulling out your I'm books. I'm having some donuts. Tonight. Good. Happy Hanukkah. Okay. Hope to see you for uh, many more happy celebrations. Lauren, as always, great to have you. Thank you, Judd. And we'll see you next week here on Judd's Napa Valley Show. You've been listening to Judd's Napa Valley Show with vintner Judd Finkelstein. Theme song by Gordon Lustig. Wardrobe by LaRue of Rutherford. Judd's Napa Valley Show is a Gil Lamar production. This is Lorne Mole saying so long from the world's wine wonderland. <laughs> <laughs>